Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Magazine's news portion for Thursday, October 27th. I'm Julie Hersey. Southeast Alaska's summer season for Dungeness crab was worth about $10 million less than last year. As Coast Alaska's Angela Denning reports, the shortfall was due to a combination of a much lower harvest and a smaller price per pound. State managers closed Southeast's Dungeness summer fishery two weeks early by emergency order because of low harvest numbers. It's been five years since the last time that's happened. This summer season harvest was just under 1.3 million pounds, nearly 2 million pounds less than last year. Along with the lower harvest was a corresponding drop in value. This year, the fishery was worth less than $4 million. Last year, it was over $13 million. Biologist Joe Stratman manages the fishery for the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. He says there are a number of factors that could lead to a fluctuating harvest. Fishermen this summer noted colder water temperatures at the start of the season and tides of over 20 feet. These details matter because managers set the season length according to the first week's harvest. Stratman says it could be those factors or just fewer legal-sized crab available. It's also very possible that it was just a smaller cohort of crab uh, recruiting into the fishery this year than we've seen in in recent seasons. This year's price was $2.96 per pound. That's about average for a Dungeness crab over the last decade. But it's much lower than last year's four twenty one a pound, the highest price ever paid. On top of that, there was a much higher harvest last year at just over three million pounds. Most southeast Dungeness fishermen also participate in the fall season, which opened October first and will run through November for most areas. Closing the summer season early usually means that the fall season will also be cut short. But there is an exception, and it happened this summer. And that's a lot of soft-shelled crab. As crab molt and replace their shells for larger ones, they contain less meat and bring less money. If there are a lot of soft-shelled crab in a shortened summer season, then the fall can go the full two-month length. This year, dockside sampling indicated 28% soft-shelled crab, which is enough to allow a full fall season. Managers try to plan crab fisheries around molting, But it's a tricky business with weather, temperatures, and tides. What did seem to be consistent this summer was the overall slow fishing. I would say probably from most of the people I heard from, they weren't seeing much of anything in the pots. And a lot of people thought, well, you know, we're starting on really big tides. We're starting on cold water. Things are going to get better. But it sounded like in a lot of the region, things didn't get better. They stayed relatively the same. 189 permit holders fished southeast summer indigenous fishery. The area that saw the most harvest was near Petersburg and Wrangell, followed by Stevens Passage near Juneau, then the Frederick Sound area. Stratman says some areas were notably low. Some fishermen, um, particularly in the northern part of the region, didn't see much of anything this season. The fall Dungeness crab fishery will run through November and most of southeast. A few areas stay open through February. Reporting in Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. Petersburg residents swarmed the community gym for the 46th Oktoberfest this past Saturday. Local musicians played outside, welcoming guests on their way to the event. The gym was packed with vendors selling homemade arts, crafts, and desserts. KFSK's Avery Herman Sakamoto was there and spoke with some of the vendors and community members. And the first person you hear is Emmy Anderson. I'm Emmy, and I'm 
selling stuff that I made at home. I'm selling bulk help pickles, sugar cookies, cupcakes, and then homemade beanies that I knitted. I just like to bake a lot, and I thought it would be really fun to sell. I've done Oktoberfest before with my friends. My name's David McCullough. No, I, I like all the all the festivity stuff that's going around here. Um, I like the sweaters, the jewelry, the the people. Pretty nice. I like it all. My name is Ashley Lore, and I'm the art teacher and jewelry teacher up at the high school. And I have a student here with me. Uh, I'm Sam Olson. I'm a student in high school. You're a sophomore, right? Sophomore. Yes. Yep, and what we're doing is we have student work laid out here on the table and all enamel work. We've been working all all across quarter one and a lot of the work that we've been making was going to, to this fundraiser booth that we're doing. So the money that we're going to make from the fundraiser is going to go back into the jewelry program and we're going to be able to buy sterling silver, which is expensive. So we're trying to make some money to buy that expensive material. Sam Olson's one of my students, Miranda Carr and Tristan Holton. My name is Marianne Rainey, and my booth is, oh, I'm selling uh, cozy bowls for micro, uh, that you could use in the microwave and uh, tea towels and pillowcases. I had lollipop suckers, but they're all gone. I have uh, bottle carriers and uh, stackable Christmas trees. Hi, I'm Novali. I think it's awesome that we get to see everything that keeps people busy during the like cold months. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, what she said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Heidi Brantuis. Oktoberfest has been really fun, and I always love all of the Norwegian traditions and all of the things that can just be incorporated into it no matter where you're from. Hi, I'm Vanessa Miller. Most of you know me as Mrs. Miller in the community. I'm a fifth grade teacher, and we are here selling caramel apples for the PCC fundraiser for our new playground. And I'm Laurel McCullough. I'm also on the board for Petersburg Children's Center. And this is part of our ongoing fundraising for the, um, the new playground for the Children's Center. Can you say your name? Amalia. Um, the chocolate ones are seven. And the other ones are five dollars. And that was Amalia Norheim. Avery Herman Sakamoto was speaking with community members and vendors at Petersburg's 46th Oktoberfest. For two long years, there was no dedicated shelter for young people in Juneau who needed a safe place to sleep. But last July, Sheyi Hot Hit or Spruce Root House opened. It was designed with input from youth who had direct experience with homelessness. And it's been open for a little over a year now and has served dozens of Juno's youth. Yvonne Crumery has the story. Welcome to Shea Hot Hit facility. Before the youth shelter opened, Tiana struggled to find a safe place to stay. Um, this is our lobby. It's aesthetically pleasing, I think, <laughs> personally. Um, KTOO isn't using her last name due to the stigma attached to homelessness. She's 19 now and has her own apartment. 
But she says that the support that she got from adults at Shei Hat Hit saved her life. I know there's a lot of kids out there who grew up or is growing up right now that don't have a safe place to go and don't have people to turn to. And that was me. And these people are the people that I learned how to turn to. So being involved in this has changed my life for the better. Jordan Nigro is the youth services manager for the city of Juneau, and she runs the Shei Hot Hit Youth Shelter. In the 15 months since the shelter opened, Nigro says dozens of individuals have been helped. If you multiply the number of individuals by the number of nights spent at Shei Hot Hit, it's around 1,600. I've known kids who have traded, you know, sexual favors for places to stay. Um, who have, you know, been exposed to things that they really should not have been exposed to in order to have a place to stay. Um, so, yeah, there's some real sad stuff that will happen um, when there are places like this for kids to go. The kids use the shelter for a few different reasons. For the most part, our, our youth who are coming into the shelter have either run away from home or threatened to run away from home or they are living at home in an unsafe situation um, and they come in because of abuse or neglect. The average time spent per youth at the shelter is about 13 days. And so far, more than 90% of the youth who've used the shelter have gone on to a safe and stable place. And we do these exit surveys uh, when kids leave and ask them, you know, a bunch of questions, but one of the things is like, would you recommend this to a friend? And 100% of the youth have said yes. People like Tiana were a big help in setting up the shelter for success. As part of the city's Youth Action Board, she's able to give input based on her experiences. One thing that was important to her when designing the youth shelter was that each person should have their own room. Maybe if I was in this situation, which I was, I wouldn't want to do that with somebody else. I would want to have the privacy of being able to be alone and sit in my room. Another project she pushed for on the Youth Action Board was a place for young people aged 18 to 20. So the shelter hosts transitional housing, a four-room apartment available, which is currently rent-free. Eleven young adults have used the apartment since the shelter opened. And usually people stay there for about two or three months, according to shelter leadership. Shei Hot Hit Youth Shelter is more than a place to stay for just a while. People want to eat on the couch, don't know if that's allowed, but they're more than welcome to, right? Eat on the couch? Yeah. I'm, I eat on the couch. We try to eat at the table. We try to eat at so the table. So we can have nice discussions. So we can have table. beautiful discussions <laughs> at the table. Nigro said the staff work to foster community with youth by cooking and eating together, encouraging normal daily routines, and having downtime when youth can watch TV and play games together. Nigro said that about half of the youth at Shei Hot Hit are LGBTQ plus identifying, and a quarter of them are transgender. This is consistent with national trends. Over a quarter of LGBT plus youth experience housing insecurity or homelessness. But having at least one supportive adult in their life decreases their chance of attempting suicide by 40%. That's according to the Trevor Project a national suicide prevention organization for LGBTQ plus young people. Nigro says she wants more people to know about Shei Hot Hit, so any youth who find themselves in an unstable housing situation know where they can go. In Juneau, I'm Yvonne Crumry.
The Glory Hall has been granted a permit from the city of Juneau to convert the space that used to house its emergency shelter into an affordable housing complex. Nearly a full year after they first applied for the permit, Glory Hall staff and their lawyer went before the city's planning commission for the last time. And their supporters showed up in full force. At least 40 people came to the meeting, most of them wearing shirts that said Juno needs affordable housing. 27 people testified in favor of the commission's approval of the permit, and they spoke for three minutes each for more than an hour. No one who testified expressed opposition to the project. The Planning Commission's vote was unanimous, and the motion to grant the permit passed, and everyone in the audience applauded. I feel like uh, an enormous weight, like a billion pounds has been lifted off my shoulders. That's the Glory Hall's Deputy Director, Luke Vroman, speaking after the decision. Some faith is restored that, um, that our leaders understand that we have people that don't have homes, and they need homes. City officials had denied earlier permit requests from the Glory Hall, citing the part of Juno's city code that says construction projects in avalanche and landslide hazard zones cannot increase density. The Glory Hall's project will increase the number of units in the building, but it will decrease the number of people in the building. And the city will issue the decision in writing by the end of the month, and the Glory Hall can then collect any permits they need for the project. That wraps up the news portion of Midday Magazine for this Thursday. And coming up next, we'll have a look at the weather, local and marine.